At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Hi, I'm Kristen McGlory, lifelong genius hunter. For almost a decade, I've been unearthing the recipes that have changed the way we cook. Now, on the Genie's Recipe Tapes, we go behind the scenes with the geniuses themselves. And we get to hear from you. This week, I'm talking with Joanne Chang, James Beard Award-winning cookbook author and owner of Flower Bakery and Myers and Chang Restaurant in Boston. I called her to talk about her hot and sour soup, a favorite from the Genie's Recipes column that I shared from her Flower 2 cookbook back in 2014. It's a recipe that Joanne's mom learned to make from her sister after emigrating from Taiwan. And while some of the ingredients have evolved over the years with the things that Joanne and her mom could easily access and how much time they had to cook, the thing that's always been true is that the soup is thickened not with cornstarch, but with egg, which gives it a brightly, loudly hot and sour broth with delicate petals of egg, even today as it's served every day at Myers and Chang. But I also wanted to hear from Joanne how this year has been going, as she's maneuvered all of the curveballs of 2020 to keep her business alive and her team safe, and how she holds on to her famous optimism. She's come up with so many creative ways to connect with customers, both in the local community near Boston and nationwide. Whether you want to visit one of Flower's pop-ups, or bake your own Pop-Tarts along with Joanne, or just have half a pastry case show up at your door. I just ordered ready-to-bake sticky sticky buns and an Easter egg cookie decorating kit so I can take a break from entertaining my almost two-year-old and let Joanne's team at Flower do it for me. And also eat sticky buns. As you'll hear more about from Joanne, nothing goes out at Flower or Myers and Chang without passing the mom test. And Joanne's mom's loving high standards have had a huge impact at Flower from day one. So at the end of the episode, we'll also hear from a few of our listeners on their own versions of the mom test. But for now... Here is the unstoppable Joanne Chang, who we talked to from one of her busy bakeries. So, as you'll hear, you get to vicariously experience the bustle of a business still going strong, albeit in very different ways. Hi, Joanne. Where are you right now? Uh, hi, Kristen. I am at our Flower Innovation and Design Building location. This is our eighth bakery. We've got um, no indoor dining at this moment, but we do have people who are ordering on the app and online and a line of people picking up their food, so wow. there's still a little bit of business going on. You said this is an, an innovation building. Is this where you are developing new recipes mostly? So this, this bakery is actually connected to our production facility where we do develop recipes. It is a little bit coincidence that, this, uh, that our production facility is in what is called the Innovation and Design Building. It's actually a design oh. uh, it's a design building where a lot of companies um, they have their their offices here for interior design and uh, you know home design and then plop in the middle of it is a bakery us and then our production kitchen in the back so uh, I actually have never thought about that that we are in a design building and we are ourselves are doing design so 
Yeah, we did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> Not. <laughs> it, it, it's all very fitting just knowing all of the different things you're doing. Uh, what, what will your day look like today? So today, um, I started my morning with a finance meeting with our director of ops and executive chef, executive pastry chef and controller. We spent about an hour just going over numbers, just trying to figure out like, where's all the money going? <laughs> How can we get more money coming in? It's not usually quite as uh, harried as they have been typically. Um, COVID has really done a number on us and every other food business, but we spend about an hour a week, you know, just going over financials. Um, then I had a meeting with our executive pastry chef where we went over uh, a spring menu that we're working on, some Easter specials that we're working on. Um, and then I, head over, I headed over here to our innovation design building, uh, Flower Bakery, where I am in the middle of filming a video for a decorate your own Easter cookie kit that we're gonna be launching for Easter. Um, I've tasted some pastries. I've had a little bit of lunch. Um, I'm gonna head over to Myers and Chang later on in the afternoon and touch base with our chef and watch service for a little bit. Um, and then I'll probably go home and answer, honestly, probably about an hour to two hours of emails. I mean, so much of our communication these days has become, it already was a lot on email, um, and now it's even more so because we're limiting in person so much. I, I try to spend at least one hour, and ideally, if I can, two hours, just to sort through just all of the information that's coming at me. So much of it is internal. You know, we've got a new pastry that's coming out, and how should it be stored, and this didn't work out so well, and how can we do it better? Um, but there's a lot of external stuff now with PPP loans and uh, lease negotiations with landlords and trying to negotiate for better food, food cost items so that we can you know, hopefully make a little bit of money this month. Um, and so it's, it is a lot of ping-ponging back and forth. Um, just, I mean, it's always been that way, but I feel like with this added layer of, you know, what is happening in the future and are we gonna have indoor dining soon? It's really added definitely a lot of, a lot of work to the day. Yeah, and a lot of just having to make a lot of decisions in the moment, too, of what's going to happen tomorrow and next week. Exactly. Uh, I think, you know, we've always been very forward-thinking, mm -hmm. trying to think, you know, what location needs the most help, and should we open a new location, and what menu items do we want to work on? Um, so it's all we've always been forward-thinking, and now there's so much that's literally like, what are we doing tomorrow, and what happens if somebody you know, catches COVID tomorrow and how uh -huh. do we close down and who do we get tested? Um, so, mm -hmm. but honestly, it, it is, you know, I don't want to say it's it's been like a fun year because I think for everybody it's been a really, really challenging year. But it is, it has been a really rewarding year in a lot of ways. Um, it's been so tough and yet we've really seen the team just come together and work their butts off to, you know, keep us going. You know, both the bakery and the restaurant have had really really you know crazy hard days and weeks and months and just the the team that surrounds me and christopher i mean we couldn't be more grateful but they really do inspire us because they come to work every day like ready to figure it out even though we don't know what we're doing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so as you mentioned this year has been just so unbelievably tough for the restaurant industry as a whole what are some of the ways that you've been adapting your business to meet the moment. Yeah, you know, when we, we shut down for about a month um, when COVID first hit us, and then when we started to reopen, we quickly realized that, you know, people weren't coming into the city, um, people weren't going out to eat anymore. 
Uh, but we knew people still wanted, you know, to eat, and they still hopefully wanted to eat flower food and Myers and Chang food. So we started to brainstorm, how can we bring flour and Myers and Chang to you at home, wherever it is that you live? Um, and so we started pop-ups. We started these bake-along kits uh, with videos where we pick an item, a flower favorite item, and I teach you how to make it, and I make a teaching video, and you can buy like a little kit that that uh, has the ingredients and a little instruction, um, a little instruction card, and a, maybe a piece of equipment that you might not have um, for that pastry item. Uh, we have, you know, take and make kits from Myers and Chang so that you can get. Uh, you can get frozen dumplings or you can get all of the ingredients to make your own dumplings and that also comes with the video. So we've just been really, like everybody else, just trying to figure out different ways to bring what we know people love to them at their homes since they're no longer coming to see us. I love that you have all the different levels too that you can do. If you're in the mood for a DIY project, you can follow along and bake along with you to make your own you know, Pop-Tarts or you can order them frozen and just pop them in the oven, or you can just order them baked if you don't want to do anything and you just want to eat sticky buns. We have, we, we, that's so true, we have found that there are so many different levels of engagement that people want <laughs> to partake in, and that is totally fine. I mean, I love when people want to take something from scratch and make it, you know, the croissant or, or the Pop-Tart, you know, from the flour and the butter and the sugar, et cetera, into a full-blown Pop-Tart, it's uh, awesome. For me, so rewarding to watch people do that. But of course, not everybody either has the time or the energy or the inclination. And so if you want to order through our app and get a Pop-Tart, we'll make it for you and just have it ready for you to pick up. Have you seen the interest shift over the course since you launched these kits? You know, I, I think when the pandemic first hit and everybody was really, really scared to even go outside, that's when we really saw the crest of, okay, I'm gonna spend three days to make croissant because what else am I gonna do? Um, for, you know, it's been almost a year and now uh, we are definitely seeing that not everybody has the time anymore. I mean, I myself had like six weeks where I was just at home. And so um, I don't think that interest is waning as much as uh, people have started to pick back up on uh, what they, you know, their, their daily lives. And so I think people are still, there are definitely still people who want to do, you know, from the very start to the very finish. Um, but I, I feel like I've seen like a, a nice spread and it, it naturally falls with what we've been able to offer. In the beginning, we couldn't make Pop-Tarts and sell them to you because we weren't in the kitchens, but we were able to like create these kits and send them to you. I've seen you talk before in interviews about how you are an optimist and um, I mean you, you can just see it in in your kind of rare positive outlook um, do you, how is that going for you like do you still consider yourself an optimist even at this point in this year you know I, I really do I feel very optimistic even though I don't know what's gonna happen and it's been really really challenging I I don't know. It's funny. Christopher, my husband and business partner, was asking me the other day. He was like, "Are you are you stressed about anything?" And I said, "You know, of course I'm worried, and I, I I'm thinking a lot about all the issues. But ultimately, I'm I'm not stressed. Um, and I think it comes from knowing knowing in full how how skilled and passionate and talented the people around me are. I really feel that. I I know." 
that nobody, as I look around at, you know, who's, who's surrounding me right now, I know none of these people will stop until we've gotten through this pandemic together. And so I was just the other day, I had a manager come up to me and say, hey, I know that, you know, I know flowers, you know, not doing great, not the way we were last year. And if you need to, you, you don't have to pay me for the next couple of months. I looked at my bank account and I'm doing okay. And I was like, oh man, you, you absolutely deserve your paycheck and you will get your paycheck. But it's just that mentality of I'll do whatever it takes to help the business keep going. And that is, I don't know, I guess that, that makes me not stressed and I'm, I feel very positive about all of it, you know? Hey, are you liking this interview so far? Head over to the Genius Recipe Tapes and subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on interviews with inspiring geniuses like Joanne. In the second half, we switch gears a bit and talk about her famous hot and sour soup, the mom test, and how Joanne thinks about authenticity in her work. Stay tuned. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beating cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great and clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024. This hot and sour soup, your, your mom made this for you when you were a kid, right? Or a version of this. Would you mind telling us about that version? Absolutely. So my mom um, uh, cooked for us at home out of necessity. My dad doesn't cook, and so my mom was in charge of all the meals. And she was an okay cook, you know, as a kid. And then when she, when she married my dad and then had kids, she really had to, like, learn how to become a good cook. And she had her sister come over from Taiwan and kind of teach her all of the family recipes because her sister's an amazing cook, my aunt. Um, and this hot and sour soup was one of them. And I think the, the main distinguishing feature from uh, other hot and sour soups that I've had is that this hot and sour soup is not gloppy. It's a really, really beautiful, like um, thin broth that is rich in flavor, um, but it's not like viscous. And so I find when I eat hot and sour soup a lot of time, um, in a restaurant, it just it feels very gelatinous, and it's not something that I that I really like enjoy. Whereas this hot and sour soup, I could drink just drink buckets of because it is it is that good. Um, it's a really straightforward recipe. It's chicken broth. There's a little bit of um, my mom sometimes would do uh, pork loin cut into strips, um, but when she was short for time, she would just use ground pork. She didn't have to cut anything. She could just take a little bit of ground pork and saute it and get all that nice fat into the soup base. Um, and then the way, and what I think really makes it special is that it's thickened, but not with cornstarch, and instead it's thickened with the egg. So you make the entire hot and sour soup, and then you take some egg, raw egg, and whisk it in a bowl, and then pour the super hot soup over it, and then the egg ribbons. It cooks 
in the heat of the soup, and in so doing, it thickens the soup, and so you get this, you get delicious, uh, you get all of that egg flavor. You get the hot and sour soup, but it's also so flavorful because you haven't diluted the flavor with cornstarch. It is such a, a clear, like a loud hot and sour flavor that, that comes through, and then the texture of the egg is so delicious too. Do you still make a version sometimes at flour? Uh, at flour, when we do our daily soups, we have from time to time, but it's been a while actually since we brought this soup back, and I think now the reputation of Myers and Chang has overtaken that of flour when it comes to Chinese food. And so I think people now know at this point to, if they want hot and sour soup, they can get it every single day at Myers and Chang. Whereas at flour, it, would, it used to be part of like a daily rotation. We would have a um, soup of the day. And so it would show up for a couple of days, maybe every other week or so. This reminds me a bit of uh, the mom test that you've talked about before. Do you still think about, well, first of all, could you just describe the mom test for our listeners who haven't heard about it? So the mom test is an actual real test. Uh, when I opened Flower, uh, my mom came to work at Flower because I didn't really know what I was doing and I needed help. And so she took a leave of absence from her job for about four months. She moved in with me and she came to work with me every single day and she worked the counter. I was baking and she was working the counter. So it was a test for me. You know, I would wake up at two in the morning, go into work, start baking, baking, baking. She would show up at six in the morning and I'd put all the pastries out and then guests would come in and she would hand off guests all of the pastries. And for me, I wanted her to be proud. And so everything that I put on the counter had to pass the mom test because I knew that my mom was gonna be physically picking it up and handing it to a guest. So that was the mom test. It is still something we actively use. It's one of the first things we teach any anybody who comes to work at Flower Myers and Chang. It's the mom test. It is, would you give this to your mom or to your best friend or to whoever's opinion is really important to you? And at Myers and Chang, the mom test becomes a literal mom test because when my parents come to visit, mom and dad sit right at the food counter, right in front of the cooks, and they order kind of their top six or seven favorite dishes. And then we all sit there and watch as she's eating everything to make sure that it passes muster. And she is probably like most moms, she is like no holds barred. Like if she loves it, you know she really loves it. And if she doesn't like it, she's gonna tell you. I've definitely had times where she said, Joanne, come over here. And she'll like point at it and say, this isn't right. This doesn't taste right. And I'm like, oh, okay, we gotta go figure this out. But it's really helpful to have that like barometer who she comes, they visit, they try to visit, you know, three times a year and they'll stay for a couple of weeks and just eat at the restaurant like every night. <laughs> and so uh, this soup, how does your mom feel about the various versions of the soup that you put out over the years? You know, I'm making my mom sound like she's this ogre who's like so picky, but I mean, she, she's like me. She just wants something that tastes amazing. And so it doesn't matter if it changes as long as it continues to taste great. And the hot and sour soup is one of my dad's favorite things to eat. And so it is one, they always get the dumplings, they always get the Hakka eggplant, they always get the hot and sour soup. Um, and he loves it and she's, she always tastes it to make sure it's right. Every now and then it needs a little bit of an adjustment. Sometimes I think just, you know, recipes kind of evolve a little bit. And I think at one point it got a little bit too sour and she was like, this has gotten way too sharp. And so we rounded it out a little bit with, you know, a little bit more chicken broth and a little bit more sesame oil, but overall, I mean, I think she's really happy with it. In, in going back and looking at the recipe and article on Food 52, um, you know, among the many, many very enthusiastic fans over the years that are just saying, this is the best hot and sour soup I've ever had, 
there were a handful of people who said this is not hot and sour soup. This is, you know, it wasn't their version of hot and sour soup and kind of talking about the authenticity of it to them. I'm curious how you think about authenticity in your own work at Flower and my own and your cookbooks. I think that is, I, I feel like we need like another couple of hours yeah. because that is such a, it really is, it's such a, it's such an interesting topic, it's a very deep topic, it's a very personal topic to each person. Um, and I feel like what I'm about to say is my, it is, it's my perspective and it's nobody else's and I'm not, it's not the right one or the wrong one, it's just mine. I don't feel as strongly as some people do about authenticity, and maybe because I wasn't born in Taiwan. My parents came here um, to go to graduate school, and the food that I grew up with, to me, is American food, even though it's Taiwanese. And so, it is, the hot and sour soup, for example, you're right, it is not what a lot of people consider hot and sour soup. But it was the hot and sour soup that my mom made, and she learned it from her sister, they grew up in Taiwan, they brought it over to America, and they made it and they called it hot and sour soup. So to me, that counts. And sometimes when I hear about people who feel that a recipe isn't authentic, I guess I just wonder who is the arbiter of what is the base recipe. And I think there's a handful of recipes that, that I guess we could all kind of come around to. Like, I feel like as a baker, croissant, it, it, there's a lot of variations of croissant, but it's all basically the same. And you need to have butter, and you need to have the flour, and you need to do the this and the that. But even that, or, or pâte choux, I think cream puff pastry is pretty similar. I think we all kind of make the same base recipe. But if someone were to say, well, that's not authentic, I guess I'm wondering who way back when said this is the recipe? And now, since so many of us have our own version of the mom test, here are some memorable reviews from our listeners' moms. Hi, my name is Harris Jabrini, and um, I wanted to share my first sourdough experience with you guys. After about a week of uh, growing my starter, I decided to give it a go. And my mom is usually very supportive of my experiments in the kitchen. But she was just never really sure about sourdough. All she really heard about it was uh, the ones in San Francisco. And after baking up my first loaf, um, after all the folding and, and waiting and overnight rise, we cut it open because the outside looked beautiful. But on the inside, it was just raw, had a faint sour smell. So yeah, my starter wasn't ready at all. And my mom kind of looked at me and looked at the loaf and didn't really know what to do. So she cubed it up and took it to where there's a, just a bunch of uh, stray chickens uh, in my hometown, fed them. And I mean, it's kind of like the first pancake, you know? You gotta get the, the first sourdough jitters out. And since then, uh, they've been pretty good. Hi, I'm Arthi, and I'm the editorial lead for Home 52. I'm also the daughter of a perfectionist and it annoys me no end how much of a perfectionist my mother is in the kitchen. The good thing is that through some manner of osmosis, I've absorbed her love for both cooking and feeding people. However, I'm yet to learn her instinct for taking things from good to kind of perfect. So 
When I make the batter for dosa, for instance, and that first tester dosa goes on the pan, I'm always panic calling my mum to ask why it doesn't look just like hers. Uh, so more evenly golden and crisped. And she's like, did you add a pinch of sugar? Or why didn't you add a spoonful of semolina or a dash of this and that? Did you try those? And I'm always like, no, because they weren't part of the recipe. But guess what? It always fixes it. And that's the instinct I need, that final touch or intervention that takes something from perfectly good to actually great. So I often find myself asking when I cook, what would mom do? Thanks for listening. Our show is put together by Coral Lee, Emily Hanhan, and me, Kristen McClory. If you have a genius recipe or want to send me a box of Joanne sticky buns, I would always love to hear from you at genius at food52.com. And if you like the Genius Recipe Tapes, please do take a second to rate and review and subscribe if you haven't already. It really does help us out. Talk to you soon.